cover your head, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. How we doing, Rich Church? Good to see you guys. My name is Bobby, one of the uh, one of the pastors here uh, at the Ridge. We're so glad that you guys are here today as we uh, continue this series called Simple Christmas. And we've been talking for the last several weeks about uh, the essence of Christmas and uh, really just taking Christmas and trying to, to move the chaos of Christmas and trying to to get all the, the busyness and the and the craziness of Christmas, kind of kind of move it to the side so that we can focus on Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? And so we want to, uh, that's what we've really been doing. We've been talking about how, uh, you know, that Jesus is, he is the gift of Christmas. I mean, Jesus, it's, it will always be about Jesus. You can make you can make it about anything that you want to make it about. You can make it about gifts. You can make it about turkey and ham and, you know, all the great dinners and the grandparents and the kids. You can make it about all of those things. And those things are okay, but at the end of the day, it's still about Jesus, and it will always be about Jesus. But the essence of that isn't that it's just about Jesus, but it's why Jesus came, why we even celebrate the birth of Christ, because Jesus wasn't just another man. He wasn't just another person in history. I mean, he wasn't that, but, but why Jesus came, and the fact that Jesus came, because Jesus came to be with you, came to be with us. And so he came to, to live amongst us. And, and so God in the, in the flesh entered into humanity through the form of a baby, being Jesus. And that's why we celebrate this season. That's what this season is all about. And so we are uh, getting ready to celebrate that here in just a few days on, on Christmas Day. And so that is the first advent. And so we are eagerly anticipating that. And we are eagerly awaiting his return. That's the, the second advent. And so that's why we call that, uh, this the advent season. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. We'll, uh, we'll get there in just a minute. Matthew chapter 11. Uh, in the New Testament, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first Bible, or book of the New Testament there. Uh, if you need a Bible, we have free ones that we want to give you. They're on that table that you passed on the way in here called Ridge Central. So if you want a Bible, need a Bible, please grab one of those. Feel free to get up at any time and go get one of those. Uh, we want, to, want that to be a, a gift uh, to you. But um, we, are, uh, we are excited about really, this is sort of the, uh, the culmination of this series. We're going to sort of finish this series today and then uh, next week we have communion together and then uh, our Christmas Eve Eve services, as, as Rusty mentioned to you uh, just a little while ago. But um, last week here at the Ridge, uh, we sang a song, a song that uh, probably every single one of us in here are, are familiar with, uh, one of my favorite Christmas songs, uh, Oh Holy Night. How many, that is that anybody's favorite Christmas song, Oh Holy Night? Yeah, a few of us? Okay, all right. Uh, it's one of my favorites. I like that one. I like Come All You Faithful. That's, that's, those are two of my favorites. Silent Nights is one of my favorites. I've got a, got a few. But Oh Holy Night is, is definitely one of my favorite Christmas songs. And, and I love the story behind the song. The, the story behind the song is, is great. Uh, there, it was written in 1847 by a man by the name of Adolf Adam. And uh, he, he wrote this, uh, this song, but he based it off of a poem that was written by a French winemaker, and the name of that poem was Midnight Christians. And so if you actually read the poem Midnight Christians and you read the lyrics to Oh Holy Night, they're, they're quite different, but uh, they're very much the same in a lot of ways. And so they, they coincide with one another. And so I, I kind of love the way that that whole thing comes together. But more than that, I love the lyrics to the song Oh Holy Night. The lyrics of the song are beautiful. I mean, they're absolutely amazing because it is the Christmas 
story. But not only is it the Christmas story, but it's really just the whole story of Jesus. Listen to just a couple of lines out of the, the first verse. It says this. It says, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Now that word pining, we don't really use it a whole lot anymore. Anybody in here pining for some eggnog lately? You know, but like we don't really, we don't say that, right? Like I, I'm not sitting at home be like, you know, talking to my wife and be like, baby, I'm really pining for some eggnog. Could I, could I really get some eggnog? I mean, it's like, you like, pining means that, 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 that you're hurting for, you know? And so that you're, that you're just, you just, you just hurt for it. And so this, this line that says, long lay the world in sin and error pining. The world at the time when Christ is born is laid in sin. I mean, very much like it is now. Not much has changed. But they were pining for a Savior, for a Redeemer. And it goes on, it says, Till he appeared, the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I love that line, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Anybody identify with that word weary right now? Tired? Just like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too, yeah. We, we, last night, no, it wasn't last night, I'm sorry, it was uh, Friday night, Friday night. I've got a really good friend, my wife and I have a, a really good friend of ours who's a, a pastor uh, in Knoxville, and, and he and his wife, um, are, they were moving this, this past week. But um, a few weeks ago, my, my wife asked me, she said, hey, uh, we're going to go hang out with, with our friends and uh, on Friday night. Is that okay? You want to go? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's go hang out. And it's like, you know, eat some food and, you know, just get to hang out with one another. It was great. But then, like, two days before this past Friday, two days before that, she's like, oh, hey, don't forget, we're going over uh, to, uh, to their house to hang out. And, oh, by the way, they're moving. And you're helping. There, there is one thing in this world that I hate, and it's moving. Like, I absolutely, it drives me crazy. I, I mean, I just, the, the thought of it even makes me tired, and so just moving. And so I, I went, and I fulfilled my, my husbandly duties and went and helped my friends move. I wish I could have helped them stay put, but instead we had to, had to help them move. And they have, like, the heaviest furniture ever made, like, Everything is mahogany. It's just like huge and weighs 500 pounds, and it was it was not very much fun. But Friday night I get home, and I sit down in the chair when I get home, and it was just one of those things. You know, you, you worked all day or you've done something all day. You know, maybe you went to Dollywood all day. You know that feeling of like you're just tired, like like your feet just hurt, right? And so when you sit down in the chair, you sit down on the couch, or you lay down in the bed, like you're you just like, you're just out. That's it. You're not moving. Like, you're not getting up. It's like, don't touch me for, like, you know, three days. I'm sitting right here. And it was one of those moments where I sat down in the chair. I was so tired. I literally sat down in the chair, put my hand up here like this, woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning like this. In the same position. Like, didn't move. I don't know how that worked, though. That was, like, crazy. I had this, like, big mark right here. But anyway, like, it was just, it was nuts. But it was just, it was one of those tired you know where you're just tired like that but you know for a lot of us though like just the season of christmas makes us feel that way doesn't it you know because you got to go here and then you got to go there right you got to buy 
gifts for people that you don't even like, right? You got you got that whole thing going on. If you've got a divorce in the family, that just kind of complicates things, doesn't it? And so you got all of these things going on, and, and, and it just gets crazy. And, and, and before you know it, you, you, you wake up on December the 26th, and you're just like, what happened? And you're tired. You're tired. But you know what? It's not always the busyness that makes us tired or that complicates things for Christmas either. It's just, it's just the natural rhythms of life, right? Because some of us are weary from relationships, right? Some of us are, are weary in our marriages. Some of us are, are weary because of finances. Some of us are, are weary because of our past. Some of us are weary because this season just reminds us of a feeling of loss or emptiness that we have in our lives. And so we feel the weight of the weary world, don't we? I love the line that says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. This song is talking about how the arrival of Jesus sort of clears things up for us a little bit. It sort of uh, alleviates that, that weariness in our lives. The last couple of days here in, in, in our area, it's been kind of rainy, you know, kind of nasty outside, kind of dreary, right? And, and really foggy, you know, like it gets really foggy here. You know, if you're in Oak Ridge, I mean, driving through Oak Ridge, a lot of days it's like really, really, really foggy. Uh, Clinton or even Pellissippi area, like it just gets really foggy, uh, you know, here because of the water and stuff like that. And I, I, where I live, I have to drive over a bridge to, you know, to get into Oak Ridge. And so as I'm, I'm driving over this bridge and, and I start to, to get close to the bridge on those really foggy mornings, I remember, I think it was on Wednesday, but it was like super, super foggy outside. And as I'm getting closer to the bridge, the fog is so thick that you can't see the bridge anymore. You ever done that? You ever been driving down the road where you can only see maybe just a few feet in front of you because it's so foggy? But then as you, as you drive and as you keep going, sometimes you hit one of those spots in the fog where the sun is shining through, right? And what happens to the fog? The fog begins to, to dissipate, doesn't it? It begins to, to go away. It begins to, to clear up a little bit. And you're able to, to clearly see things. You're able to, to see things that you couldn't see before the fog. And so when you get into those places where the sun is shining, where you're able to see the sun, it clears things up, doesn't it? You see, I think, I don't think, but I know that when we are able to see Jesus, the sun, it clears things up, that we're able to see things a little differently than we were able to see them before, that, that when we will see Jesus, we will be able to, to be able to see something that we've not seen before, we'll be able to experience something that we've never experienced before, but if we will just see Jesus, everything will change, nothing will ever be the same. Understand that when Jesus was born, when they saw him, everything changed, nothing was ever the same. The arrival of Jesus changed everything. What I love about in Matthew 11, and we'll, we'll get there here in just a second, but let me, let me just set this up for you because you have to understand this. 
to understand what Jesus is saying here. But during this time, there was a very heavy religious system of the time, and it was a very rigid system. It was a lot of do this and don't do that and go here and don't go there kind of things, you know. And, and, and so they had this very re- rigid religious system during this time. As a matter of fact, there were 613 commandments that they had to follow. Anybody want to sign up for that? 613, do this, don't do this kind of things. As a matter of fact, it was kind of broken down like this. There were 248 commandments that said, you have to do this. And then there were 365 commandments that say, but don't do this. So 248 things of do this, 365 things of don't do this. That's crazy, isn't it? And it, it, was, it was so rigid, and it was so like structured. The religious leaders of the day, they had, a, they had a commandment that said, on the Sabbath, you know, the Sabbath is the day of rest. You know, for a lot of us today, Sunday is a day of rest. And so we look at Sunday and say the Sabbath. So that's, this is our Sabbath. So for them, the Sabbath, the day of rest, they said, you can only take a certain amount of steps on the Sabbath. And so for them to go to the temple, what they would do is they would actually, the people that were going to the temple on the Sabbath, so they didn't take more steps than they were allowed to take, they would actually camp outside of the temple. And they would stay there and they would wait there for the Sabbath and then they would take the amount of steps that they were allowed to take and then take the amount of steps that they were allowed to take back, sit down and not move for the rest of the day. Because if they did, if they took more steps than they were supposed to, then they broke the religious law. Therefore, they were considered to be sinning. Now, isn't that crazy? Doesn't that sound sound a little weird? Like most of us would be in trouble, right? Like we would break that law every single Sunday, right? And, And so this was the system that they had, though, 200, 200 and, uh, 30, uh, 248, 248, you know, don't do this, 365, or do this, and 365, don't do this, commandments. And so when Jesus is born, this is the system that he enters into. And so the people of this time, you want to talk about weary? They were weary. They were burdened. They had, they had, they had this, this system of rules that they had to live by. Right, and for some of you, maybe you're here today, and you're you're not a Christian, and that's the way you kind of view Christianity, right? That's kind of the way that you view being a follower of Christ is it's a bunch of do this and don't do this kind of things. Maybe that's the way that that you were taught. Maybe that's the the system that you grew up with, right? It was like, hey, you can watch this movie because it's rated G, unless it's by Disney, otherwise it's bad, right? Or you know what? You can't really drink that. If you do, you're a sinner. And only watch R-rated movies that are about the crucifixion of Christ. Otherwise, you're a sinner. You can't, don't do it. PG only. And that's even debatable, all right? And so maybe you grew up in that system. Maybe you grew up in a system where it was like, you can do this, but you can't do this. You can go here, but you can't go there. And so even the idea of being a follower of Christ, even the idea of being a Christian for you is one, it's very rigid and it's all about rules. I mean, you read the Bible a lot of times and you read things that say obey, right? We love that word, don't we? 
obey. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 28, right, he said, uh, he, he said go therefore to uh, baptize, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? Teaching them to obey, right? We read that and you're like, okay, I'm a Christian, now I've got to teach sinners how to obey. What is that? That word obey doesn't mean like do this, don't do this. Follow this rule and not this rule. That's not what the word obey means. The word obey means it's to teach people how to live to honor God. It has nothing to do with rules. It has nothing to do with regulations. It has nothing to do with do this and don't do that. But this is the system that Jesus enters into. And so listen to what he says in Matthew 11, starting in verse 25. Jesus is sort of in the middle of a prayer. And he begins to speak to the disciples that are standing around him. And, and it wasn't just the disciples that were standing around him. It was also this huge crowd of people that were listening into what Jesus had to say. But then outside of those people, you had the religious leaders, the people who made these laws, the people who were the ones who were the regulators, mount up, right? And they were the ones, nobody got that. Okay, so like they, they, had, they were the ones that were standing by watching what Jesus would say. And as, as Jesus would talk and as he would speak, they would be like, this, this guy's going to mess up. He's going to tell them to do something that they're not allowed to do. And then we're going to be able to arrest him and crucify him. And we're just going to be able to get him out of here. And so you had all these people listening to what Jesus had to say. So listen to what he actually does say. He says this. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then listen to what he says in verse 28. It's kind of like he stops in the middle of his prayer. And he looks up to all of these people standing around them with this do this, don't do this thing going on. And he says this, he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus gives them a command Really, not really a command, but, but an invitation. He says, for all of you who are weary, for all of you who are burdened, for all of you who are weighed down with do this and don't do this and act this way and don't act this way, go here and don't go here, for all of you with that weight on you, and he talks about this yoke, this idea, this word yoke, we don't, we don't use that word much anymore either, but, but this word yoke was, uh, it was a, an apparatus that uh, would uh, bind two oxen together to be able to, to till the gardens, to be able to till the fields up for, for the harvest, right? And so yoke was, it was very heavy and it was binding. And so he uses this word yoke to paint the picture of you are bound to this. <coughs> and it's heavy. But then he says, but, he said, the religious system of the day, that yoke is heavy, but my yoke is light. And so he says, come to me, all of you who are 
labor, who labor and are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. You see, Jesus wasn't just talking about rest like, you know, I'm going to kick up my feet, take my shoes off, take a 45-minute nap kind of rest. He wasn't talking about that kind of rest. He was talking about an eternal rest, a rest for your soul, a rest for my soul. It was a simple yet profound invitation that I think a lot of times that we miss. Because understand that the Christmas story is so much more than just the birth of Jesus. It's not just about the birth of Jesus. I mean, yes, that's the, like, that's the, the big thing. That's the gift. Jesus is the gift. But, but the Christmas story is so much more than that. And so we have to understand that, that it, it's, it's about the incarnation. That word incarnation is just a big hairy church word that means that God put himself into flesh in, in Jesus into the form of a baby and was inserted into the mess of humanity. He's incarnate. He is God in the flesh. And the, the angel said to Mary that you will name him Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel, it means God with us. And so Jesus enters into this, into this mess of humanity, and it's still a mess. None of that has changed. But he enters into it, and he makes this great exchange and you have to understand this exchange to understand what jesus is talking about when he says i will give you rest for your soul because this exchange is a very simple exchange we understand the concept of of trading things don't we we understand the concept of of giving something and and getting something and this is exactly what jesus does he gives his life for rest for our souls this is the great exchange jesus for our souls, for our sins. It's the exchange of our sin for life, for rest for our souls. We're all very familiar with John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die but will have everlasting life, right? We, we understand that, we get that. John three sixteen is very important, but the verse after that is equally as important. Because Jesus then says, he says, John 3, 17, God sent his son not to condemn the world, means not to judge the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so what Jesus does when he says, come to me and I will give you rest, is he gives an invitation to come. He's saying, come to me, all of you who are messed up. Come to me, all of you who are jacked up. Come to me, all of you who have a suitcase full of crap from your past. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are bitter, all of you who struggle, all of you who have issues, all of you who are exhausted, all of you who are lonely, all of you who are angry. Come to me, all of you who are hurt. Come to me, all of you who are messed up. says, come to me, all of you who are broken. Come to me, all of you who have a life that's a train wreck. It says, come to me, all of you who feel like you're stuck in sin. He says, come to me, 
all of you who are even uncertain about who I am. He says, come to me and I will give you rest from your burdens, from your weariness, from your junk. And I love what Jesus, how he says this, because there's not like, there, it's not like what, what would have been in the religious system of the day. It would have been, because if it would have been that, it, it would have been, come to me. Well, wait, let's back up. Before you come to me, get cleaned up first. Like, stop doing that. You know, you like, you got to believe like 100% that I, you know, you got to believe in me. You gotta, you gotta do this and you gotta do that, and then like kind of once you get all of these things marked off the checklist, then you come to me, and then I will give you rest. But that's not what he says. He doesn't put a stipulation on the end of that. He doesn't put a, um, he doesn't put a clause on the end of that. He says, he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. Maybe you've tried to find rest in a lot of other things. Maybe you've looked everywhere else and nothing has worked. And you've went to all all the places that you thought you would find rest. You thought you'd find rest in a relationship. You thought you'd find rest in a job. You thought you'd find rest in in having a lot of money or having a lot of things. You thought you'd find rest in in a boy or a a girl or or a school or, or whatever. And you've looked for all of those places, and you've been to all of those places, and you've found yourself in those places. You thought that you would find rest in a, in a sexual relationship. You thought you'd find rest if you were, you know, high. You thought you'd find rest in all of these places. But what you really found, if you're honest with yourself, is you did not find rest, did you? You felt burdened, and you felt weary, and you felt without, and you felt empty. And so the rest that you hoped that you would find wasn't there. And so Jesus says, this is where you're going to find rest. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're only going to find it here. And so no matter what, what lane you're in this Christmas, this invitation is for every single one of us. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You can be a Christian and still be weary. You can be a Christian and still be restless. Whatever burden you carry, Jesus gives this invitation to take it. So what do you do with that invitation? How do you respond to that? You know, maybe, maybe you're here and, you know what, you, you, you kind of got a good thing going. You know, you, maybe, maybe you look at your life and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of good. I don't, I don't really need rest. I'm, I'm good. I, I find my rest my own way. You know, it's, it's all good. I don't, I don't need this whole Jesus thing to, to get rest. I mean, I get my rest. You know, I, I, I have my fun. I do my thing, and it's, it's fine. And so maybe you look at, at this invitation as not a place of rest, but you look at this invitation as an interruption to your life. Because things are good right now. You kind of got your own system. You kind of work things your own way. And, you know, sometimes they work out great. Sometimes they don't. But it's okay. You just kind of roll with the punches, right? And so, like, if you were to, to step out of that and start actually following Jesus, then your life would just be interrupted. 
It wouldn't be the same. It would be different, right? I love, in in this whole Christmas story, I I think sometimes we miss this, but if you go back and and you look at, at, at when the angel came to Mary, right? And the angel appears to Mary and, and comes to Mary and says, hey, Mary, I got some news for you. It's really kind of cool, but you're going to have a baby. She was like, speaking to my good ears? I'm sorry, I didn't. Would you say that again, please? He's like, yeah, you're going you're gonna to have a baby. And uh, actually, here's the really cool part. It's going to be God. Now, understand where Mary's coming from. Mary is engaged to Joseph, right? They're, they're, they're going to be married. Mar- married uh, uh, Mary. Mary understands what's about to happen here because she understands that she shows up to Joseph and is like, Hey, Joseph, I got some really great news. I'm pregnant. You know, and Joseph is like, You got some splaining to do because... You know, she's trying to, like, like she, she understands. Because, you see, Joseph, Joseph could have, the law, the religious law during the time said that Joseph could have been like, you know what? We're done. That's it. It's over. He could, he could, he could have walked away. And, and as a matter of fact, he could have even had her stoned for it. So the angel appearing to Mary and saying, Mary, you're going to have a child, and he's going to be Jesus, the Savior of the world. That was a huge interruption for her life, wasn't it? A huge interruption. The arrival of Jesus in the life of Mary and Joseph was this huge interruption. And maybe that's the way that you look at things. You're like, you know what? Like, if I start to actually go to Jesus for rest, and I start to follow him then my whole life like the way that things flow are just going to be interrupted but i love what mary said she said let it be to me she was saying god whatever you want i'm in i know this is a huge interruption but i'm in let it be to me. So come to me may sound like an interruption, but it's really an invitation to something significant for you. And Jesus says, you know what? Just come and see. Come and see. You don't know until you come and see. So come and see. Taste and see that I am good, right? That's what that's what he says. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary. And so the invitation to all of us this morning, whether you're a believer or not, is very simple. Come to Jesus. Regardless of whether you're a Christian, regardless of whether you're not a Christian, regardless of those things, the invitation is the same to all of us. 
to be able to come and to sit at his feet and to see for ourselves that that is where we will actually find our rest. Because we're not going to find it anywhere else. We're not going to find it in anything else. And understand me, hear me when I say this, you are not going to find it in anyone else. But Jesus just says, just come and see. Come and see. So that line again, back to Oh Holy Night, that line that says, Till he appeared, the soul felt its worth. Understand that before the arrival of Jesus, there was no come and see and find rest. In fact, most people that were eagerly awaiting the the coming of the Messiah, the the anointed one, the one who is to come, Jesus, the Savior, those that were waiting for him, their soul felt empty. But when he appeared, the soul felt its worth because Jesus came to give himself up for the rest of our souls. How do you determine the worth of something? It's how much you pay for something, isn't it? We know that something is valuable because of how much we're willing to pay for that something, right? And so Jesus simply says that our soul, our soul has the value of giving up his life for. Till he appeared. He, understand, he has appeared. We're not waiting on Jesus to appear. He has already appeared. And he will appear again. And so he says, come to me, all of us. Let me pray for us. Father, God, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you for how you have spoken just to me this week, God, to, to remind myself that I will find rest in nothing else but you. And God, that I'm not going to find uh, rest in, in anything else, Father. And so, Lord, I just ask, God, that, God, that we are able to just sit at your feet. We know that the the rest and the invitation that you offer us is there, God. But, Father, I I just ask for the place to be able to sit, as as each of us do. If you're here this morning and maybe you're a believer, and but Christmas has just brought about a burden, weary season for you, and you just need a place to sit at the feet of Christ and, and just rest. We just throw up your hands and say, that's me. I'm, I'm there. Man, I need some rest right now. Amen. 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 Maybe you're here and, you know, this invitation sounds like an interruption. But you know what? Maybe you're willing to come and see. Just to, just to look. Just to, to see. To, to take a few steps with Christ. To, to follow him. And so when Jesus says, come to me and give, and I will give you rest, that invitation for you 
is to begin a relationship with Christ, to, to begin to follow him. And if that's you, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want you to do anything else except for in these next few moments to just simply, to just simply pray and say, Jesus, save me. And you can say that however you want to. I'm not going to tell you to repeat anything. I just want you to, to have your conversation with God because that's, between, that's for you and him and not for me and you. But to simply just cry out and ask Christ to, to give you rest for your soul, to, to save your soul. Father, we, as we, each of us individually, pray and cry out to you, God, some of us asking just for rest from the weariness, God, from rest from, from our sin, rest from, uh, from all the things that burden us, God. God, we just, we know that you hear us. God, now let us feel you. God, for those who are here this morning, God, who, who are maybe crying out to you for the first time, asking for rest for their soul, God, that you save them. God, we know your word says that you hear them and that you save them. And so, Father, I pray for each one of us that we each have the courage to take the very next step, the courage to say, we're going to find our rest in you. Give us the courage, Father, to maybe walk away from the things that we thought we would find rest in that are not you. And Father, we want to just honor you and give you